0: Let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to get together and discuss your word. Thank you for revealing it to us uh, in the written word and in the world. We pray that you would help us to love you more through this discussion and uh, bless Dan and his family and their travels this week. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Alright. Uh, so, uh, Horace filled in for a couple weeks uh, while we were gone. I'm going to pick up where I left off uh, three weeks ago, or whatever, and um, continue to work through a little bit of the historical events and timeline for the New Testament. Uh, The goal for today is to work our way up to 70 AD. So we we, um, last kind of talked a little bit about Roman dynasties, some different things. We're going to look at some of the stuff Horace talked about with the the ministries of Jesus and the apostles. Do some get a little timeline for that, and see how that takes us to seventy. Seventy is kind of a, a big date for Christians uh, and uh, Jews, so that's why we're going to work up to that. Um, so that's where we we start. So the key date, obviously, leading up to that is going to be 4 B.C., so that's uh, birth of Jesus. 27 A.D. is when he's about 30 years old, and that's generally when we would put his ministry starting. And that's what Horace talked about two weeks ago. Uh, So ministry starts. 30 would be the crucifixion. Is thirty. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, Horace talked about the ministry of Jesus, and I have a rough map here of Israel. This is the Mediterranean here. Um, you, the key things obviously being the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, Jerusalem, and Judea are in the south, and then Galilee up in the north. Nazareth um, is up there in the north. And Horace talked a, about kind of Jesus's travels and ministry, and how a lot of it takes place up in Galilee, and then obviously the key ending of the ministry is down in Jerusalem. Um, so I wanted to kind of start with that, go over a little bit of Jesus' ministry, right, get that that timeline, and then we're going to work through some of, like, Acts, Acts and Paul's timeline to get us to 70, because I think that's really, that's kind of the key. And Horace went over, I believe, um, Paul's, some of Paul's trips too, right? He's got three kind of famous missionary journeys. So we'll talk just a little bit about that. Um, But I want to talk a little bit, really quick, back up and talk about why Galilee and this area is important and why, like, this is Jesus' uh, birth, or not birthplace, but kind of childhood, hometown. This is where he grew up. And this is where Capernaum, uh, Tiberius, the wedding at Cana, all that takes place in that area. Um, So to start... We're going to back up and go to Isaiah, um, and this is before any foreign invasion has happened uh, in Israel. So you still have uh, you have the two kingdoms, but you've got you know Israel independence, and this is way back in like the 700s BC. So we're going to look at uh, Isaiah 9 and talk about um, this focus on Galilee. Um, So, if somebody could read Isaiah 9, we'll just do 1 to 2 to start there. Um, Yeah, Isaiah 9, 1 to 2. Could somebody open us up there? But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and and the land of Naphtali. And in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee. The nations the people who walked in darkness have seen the great light those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown etc etc so that's a famous that's kind of one of the famous prophecies right about this light coming um, it follows up on um it comes after isaiah 9 which talks about this gloom and darkness and, and sort of destruction coming to the land <clears throat> and then we see though that this light is coming particularly to zebulun naphtali in the land of Galilee and that is these are the northernmost tribes so Naphtali Zebulun they're all up here in Galilee not Judea right in the area like the tribe of Judah right would be down here and that's where Judea is, is um, Jerusalem so we see that David <clears throat> David the South, the south David? Kingdom yes is down here right so that's where you would think, I mean, that's where the capital is, that's where the temple is, that's where you would think you would have this prophecy surrounding. Um, so then to get a little bit of an idea of why this prophecy has to do with Galilee, we're actually going to back up to, uh, well, we're not going to back up. We're going to talk about um, when the first foreign invasions come to uh, Israel. So we're going to look at 2 Kings um, Oh, and if you continue on in that Isaiah 9 passage, right, you get to 9, uh, 6, which is the famous, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, right, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and you have that passage. So that's the prophecy, that's what we're hearing about, but it's talking about Galilee, not Jerusalem, um, which is interesting. So then let's look at what happened to Um, this area when the first foreign invasions come into Israel Um, and you might remember so Assyria right is the first kingdom that invades and we'll see the first time we hear about them they make three incursions into Israel but we'll read about the first one uh, in 2nd Kings 27 so 2nd Kings 27 to 30 if you want to turn there Second Kings. Oh, hold on. What chapter, though? That's the question. 24. Um, hmm, I'll read it, unless somebody wants to find it. I don't know if I, I lost the chapter. Um, all right, I think it might be 24, but I can't find it. Second Kings. Verse? Second Kings. It's, the verses are 27 to 30. Um, it's, it's about Pekah, the king of Israel. So in the 52nd year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekah, son of Remaliah became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned 27 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. Uh, verse 29. In the time of Pekah, king of Israel, Tig- Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, Abel, Beth, Mecca, Genoa, Kadesh, and Hazor. He took Gilead and Galilee, including all the land of Naphtali, and deported the people to Assyria. Then Hosea, son of Elah, uh, conspired against Pekah, son of Remaliah. He killed, he attacked, and assassinated him, then succeeded him as king. So the first time Assyria comes in, they're coming in from the north, they conquer this far. The next time they come in they they conquer Samaria here and then the third time is when they surround Jerusalem. They conquer this whole area and you have Hezekiah uh, in Jerusalem and Jerusalem is saved kind of at the last minute, right? But it's this first group of people that are dragged off into um, captivity. Uh, The Syrians then bring in a bunch of foreigners to settle in the land and this is like This would be kind of the most despised region of Israel. If you lived in Jerusalem and Judea, you would think yourself, you know, high and mighty. And this would be kind of the lowly area. But we see that this is where, obviously, Jesus' focus is in his ministry. So that's something to just kind of keep in mind, uh, thinking back to a long time before Jesus comes. And that's why there's, you know, there's things when people hear Jesus comes from Nazareth, right, they look down on him. Um, So anyways, that is, that sets a little bit of a context for these two regions in Israel, the capital Judea region, and the region around Galilee. All right, so, um, uh, let's see, so then, um, so Jesus' ministry, right, three years-ish, crucifixion is in 30, that obviously takes place in Jerusalem after uh, his kind of famous sort of um, journey to Jerusalem at the end, right before the crucifixion happens, um, and we have some passages we're going to read that set up uh, this fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So we'll put uh, 70 AD being our, our kind of target date. So we're going to look at a couple passages, <clears throat> and hopefully I have the, past, the, the uh, chapters available, uh, we're going to look at Matthew 24. though. We're going to look at Matthew 24, which is, uh, we actually read a little bit of this um, a few weeks ago. Um, and then we're going to look at Luke 19 and 21. <clears throat> so again, this is the end of Ju- Jesus' ministry. He's heading towards Jerusalem for the final time, right before he's crucified. It's 30 AD or so. And we're going to look at Matthew 24. We'll start with one... Uh, just verse 1 and 2. Somebody read 24, 1 and 2. Yeah. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Surely I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Great. Um, and actually you could do uh, 32 and 35 from the same chapter. So Matthew 24, uh, we, we read about this because Herod the Great built, kind of uh, rebuilt the temple. <clears throat> so when there's a couple of passages where it talks about people admiring the temple and the buildings, and that's when Jesus has his, that's when he talks about how it's going to be destroyed. Well, Herod the Great <coughs> um, was the one who, in order to kind of endear himself to the Jews, uh, built, had did a bunch of large building projects, one of which was expanding the temple. Um, so that's a little bit of the context there. Uh, Matthew 24 continues, uh, so the next few verses are about the end of the age, the abomination of desolation, the coming of the Son of Man, and then we have the lesson of the fig tree, which is 32. You want to read that? So 32 through 35? Two thirty-five, yeah. Okay. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Okay, Um, so that's where we see that this this, uh, prophecy of one stone not being left upon another should happen within a generation, right? That's that timeline we're looking for. Um, And then we'll get a couple more details about 70 A.D. in Luke. So we're going to do two passages in Luke. Luke 19, 41 to 44, and then Luke 21. Uh, could somebody do Luke 19, 41 to 44? I have it. Okay. And when he drew near and saw the city, he went over, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground you and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation <clears throat> okay uh, so that's uh, I think this basically the same time that's Luke's version of Jesus coming to Jerusalem for the final time that's when he he says that Um and then we'll do, so that gives us a little more information, right? In uh, Matthew, we, we heard that not one stone would be left on another. Luke tells us, in Luke, we hear that the armies will surround Jerusalem and set a barricade around it. So that's something to expect. Um, and then we get a little more information in Luke 21, 20 to 24. Uh, so if somebody could do Luke 21, 20 to 24. <coughs> But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay. Good. So that's Luke's, kind of Luke's version of that. So again, you just get, you get a little more detail of this prophecy of this, this impending fall of Jerusalem. And all of these are coming in 30 AD. So people hearing this, right, they should know we've got roughly 40 years or less, Maybe. Um, it's not doesn't need to be precise but in within a generation so the people a lot of the people hearing this should be a, around when this comes um, okay so then we obviously we have the crucifixion um, we have Pentecost you know the resurrection Pentecost um, and the gospel you know it spreads throughout the land you have the apostles disciples right going out and spreading spreading the the um, the gospel, and you have kind of what Horace talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, which was the different trips of the apostles and how it spread. So, um, before 70 then, you have kind of all the epistles and Acts, basically. Um, and so we can date a little bit of that, and I think the main thing that I wanted to look at was just Paul, right? So Paul, if you read Acts, you really get taken up close to the end of You know to 70 AD so Paul we know was present at the the um, uh, stoning of Stephen right that's kind of where I think we're first sort of introduced to him Um, you have so we have this uh, persecution so rough kind of timeline for Paul's persecuting of the Christians uh, would be 32 to 34 we'll say Paul's persecution um, is going to be around there. <clears throat> some of these dates we don't know exactly, so they're kind of rough timelines. Uh, then we know that he spent uh, a lot of time in Damascus, right? On the road to Damascus is where he's converted, spends a lot of time there. We hear about some travels in Arabia and Tarsus. Tarsus is up in Turkey. Um, so that would be kind of Damascus and other things um we don't hear a lot about that happens in kind of the first up to like maybe 10 chapters of Acts the bulk though of Acts is his three missionary journeys right they're famous kind of missionary journeys that um, Horace talked about where he goes through Turkey uh Greece um uh, goes through Syria spends time in like Caesarea Antioch and all these things right so he does three trips kind of around the the eastern Mediterranean. And those take place roughly uh, 46 to 57. These are the missionary journeys. Missionary journeys. <clears throat> all right. So we're getting to 57. We're getting close. Uh, a while back, we talked about the first dynasty of Roman emperors that all kind of Start with Augustus and go down to Nero, right? Our final, our final uh, emperor. Well, Paul, so Paul then, um, uh, 60, let's see, uh, in 57, after his third missionary journey, 57 to 59 is when Paul's imprisoned in Judea. Uh, That's where you have Felix. He waits for two years while Felix tries to get bribes from him. Um, and then Festus becomes the procurator, and he appeals to Caesar, and then he goes and he goes to Rome. So in sixty, he goes to Rome for his first imprisonment. So this is uh, prison, prison in Judea. And we read some of that. We read how he comes before Felix and Festus uh, at this time. Uh, Agrippa. He he appeals to Agrippa, and then he appeals to Caesar that Caesar is Nero Nero is the emperor at this time um, and then he goes to Rome in 60 alright so we're slowly getting here to we're slowly getting to 70 uh, he has his imprisonment in Rome and we believe he wrote about we, maybe he wrote four of the uh, epistles there uh, there's four that he references being a prisoner um, and so those are believed to be uh, written in Rome does anybody know what those are trivia First mm, I don't think so I think that one might be after um, Ephesians in Ephesians 3 1 he says for this reason Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles uh, Philippians uh, 1 as a result it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ uh, Colossians Four three, he says, And pray to us, too, that God may open the door for our message, so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. And then Philemon, uh, in one ten, it says, That I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. So those, we think, potentially, Philemon, maybe after, hard to say. But those four are, are potentially ones he wrote in Rome. And then there's a couple that, that talk about... Um, I think 2 Timothy, maybe 1 Timothy as well, after being in prison. And so we think, okay, maybe he was set free you know, later. <clears throat> but we know he spent two years. It says he spent two years in prison in Rome. And then he maybe had another stint because it's believed that he was um, executed in Rome in 66 by Nero. And this was the height of anti-christian fervor uh, anti-christian and jewish fervor in 64 was the great fire and then nero persecuted uh all the christians in rome and then in 66 was a lot of anti-jewish fervor because that is the beginning of the jewish war the jewish roman war the jewish revolt depending on what you want to call it So 66 is when this Jewish-Roman war starts. And we, obviously, you hear about 70 all the time, but 70 is many years into this revolt, this great Jewish revolt. So as you're reading through Acts, as you're reading through the epistles, you are kind of in a timeline working your way down to all of Paul's should be done around 66. That's roughly when he's um, killed. And then... um, there's it, what's one thing that's interesting to look at. This is there's two there's two things that happen uh, throughout Acts that allow us to get this timeline. So if you're following along, he talks about going here, going there, and he'll say he you know, spent three months here or a year here. One spot he last, he spends three years. Um, when he gets to Corinth, he says uh, he spent a year and a half there. Um, that's at the end of his second missionary journey. Okay. Um, but there's a couple things, so you kind of have a rough, like you can follow when things happen in order, but there's two things that give you a, con- a concrete, concrete date to anchor everything, and then you count backwards and forwards to get the rest. Um, so we'll, we'll look at a couple of those really quick, but the first one is when he was in prison in Judea, we read this uh, last time, a few weeks ago, we read about um, Felix and Festus again. Felix, we know, he, he waited two years, um, for uh, a bribe and he kept bringing Paul out. Paul wouldn't bribe him and he'd send him back. And then finally Felix dies and Festus becomes the procurator of Judea. And it says uh, within three days he shows up and immediately he calls Paul uh, and wants to meet Paul. <clears throat> and then soon after that Paul appeals to Rome and he gets sent to Rome. So we know that that part happened when, right when, um, right when, right uh, when, Festus becomes procurator of Judea and we know when that happened so we know that story happens in 59 AD for sure and then you can kind of count backwards to get some of the rest and count forwards then there's one more anchor date so um, there's one more anchor date and that's in the middle of his three missionary journeys Um, and we'll look at that really quick Um, uh, it is let me see in Acts eighteen, in Acts eighteen, we have Paul in Corinth, and that's the middle of the second journey. So he goes to Corinth, which is in Greece, near Athens. It's right after Mars Hill, I think, his Areopagus Mars Hill in Athens. He goes to Corinth, <clears throat> close by in Greece. Some of you have probably been there. Um, it is a region of the Roman Empire called Achaia. And he meets the procurator of that area, okay, of that region. So we'll look at it really quick. Um, Acts 18, because it's kind of an interesting, again, tidbit. Um, But it says, so 18, chapter 18 starts after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he meets Aquila and Priscilla, um, who had recently come from Italy because Claudius, the emperor, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Remember back a few weeks ago we, when we were going through the emperors, we talked about the ones that were mentioned. Claudius is one who there was a bunch of riots in Rome, and he kicked all the Jews out, two of those being Aquila and Priscilla, and they then meet Paul here in Corinth. Um, and we talked about how there were two Roman historians, or at least one, that mentioned this, this, these disruptions by, of the Jews that Claudius then sends them all out of Rome and so that kind of again kind of anchors things a little bit but anyway so he's in Corinth Um, it says every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to pursue persuade Jews and Greeks Um, we hear about Silas and Timothy coming from Macedonia and then we'll pick up in um, verse 9 so again he's in in this kind of extended saying Corinth one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision do not be afraid keep on speaking do not be silent for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Now here's our, our anchor. Verse 12, while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the Jew, to the law. Verse fourteen. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on Soth. Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. So Gallio, <clears throat> this Roman proconsul in Achaia, has this case brought before him. He is very apathetic. Um, he's actually a famous, fairly famous figure. There's a Roman uh, philosopher called Seneca, named Seneca. Maybe the name's familiar. Um who is his brother, actually, and writes about Gallio And he talks, he mentions that Gallio had to be proconsul in Achaea for a year, because they were just yearly positions. And he said he came back a little bit early because he didn't really care for the area. Um, And it's funny because it appears here that he's not super vested in what's going on as well. Um, That could be a little conjecture, but he obviously, I mean, it says he showed no concern whatsoever. So it is kind of interesting. But we know um, the year that Gallio or that Gallio was proconsul because um, in 1905 they found a, an inscription in Delphi, uh, the uh, like Oracle of Delphi, Delphi, that's really close to Corinth. They found an inscription in 1905 referring to Gallio and it's a letter from Claudius, the Emperor, to, to Gallio discussing uh, the um, uh, population issues they're having in Delphi. So, it's um, it was a very large area and famous, popular area under the Greeks because of the oracle. But the Romans did not um, use the oracle. Uh, they the Greeks would like they would make military and you know civil um, decisions based on the, the oracle. So it's a very important area for the Romans. It wasn't. Population was declining economy was declining, and so Claudius wrote this letter to Galileo, and that is what was found in, uh, in I think, like between 51 and 52 is when we know, because it dates, this inscription dates when Galileo was proconsul. All right, so we're going off on a significant tangent, but that's okay. Um, I will read you the inscription, because it's interesting. <clears throat> so this inscription... It was found, yeah, it was found at the, uh, they believe at the Temple of Delphi where these oracles would be written, written down and kind of published. All right, so the inscription they found, it's called the Gallio inscription, says Tiberius Claudius Caesar, uh, in the 12th twen- year of Tribunician power, <clears throat> acclaimed emperor for the 26th time, father of the country, sends greetings to somebody. For long have I been well disposed to the city of Delphi, and solicitous for its prosperity, and I have always observed the cult of the Pythian Apollo. Now, since it is said to be destitute of citizens, as my friend and proconsul, Lucas Junius Gallio, recently reported to me, and desiring that Delphi should regain its former splendor, I command you to invite well-born people also from other cities to come to Delphi as new inhabitants and to accord them and their their children all the privileges of the Delphians as being citizens on like and equal terms. For if some are transferred as colonists to these regions, dot, 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 we don't have the rest. So that letter, that inscription was found, Delphi, that's how we know when Galileo was. That anchors Paul when Paul was in, uh, in the middle of his missionary journeys, and then essentially the dates count backwards and forwards from there. And that is a key event in the New Testament. All right. Any questions about that? Yes. So what was the year that that occurred? Uh, Yeah. So that occurred roughly 51 or 52 uh, AD. That's roughly when it happened. We obviously don't know exactly, um, but it's somewhere around there. And then he has, that's the end of the second missionary journey. Gets back goes on a third missionary journey, is imprisoned, goes to Rome, (coughs) executed, etc. All right, so there we are. That gets us to Nero. That gets us to where we're trying to go. All right, any other questions about that? We have five minutes left. Should we talk about this? We can start. (coughs) All right. Um, Okay, so what happens then in 66 that kicks off this Roman this Jewish Roman war um, in five minutes the first thing is you have there's there's been for a long time ever since uh, Felix and Festus remember Felix was not going to try the case because he wanted bribes you have he, he also is the same um, position as Pontius Pilate so you got this line of, of procurators that are running Judea here this is Judea um, that are Romans that really do not like the Jews. Um, they tax them heavily and then they abuse them and they don't like their religion. And Judea has very, is a very different province for the Romans than all the other provinces because of the religion, because of the Jewish religion. It's a monotheistic religion where the other ones are all polytheistic and they're okay with like, the Roman gods and new gods. It doesn't really matter. But a lot of the problems that happen between the Romans and the Jews are this uh, is the issue of like polytheism versus monotheism. Um, Caligula uh, told the the procurator of this area to put a statue of him in the temple, right? So that's one thing. You see, the Romans were they were doing things like that to antagonize the Jews, and the Jews obviously had serious problems with things like that. What kicks off this? is that a, um, uh, in Caesarea there's a synagogue and somebody goes, like a Greek or a Jew goes and sacrifices, does like a pagan bird sacrifice in the, in the synagogue and makes the whole synagogue unclean. Everybody has to leave. There's big problems. And there's this attitude, again, of like antagonism to, to the Jews that the Romans don't really care about. Um, but the Jews have a lot of money. They're one of the wealthiest um, provinces in the empire. So there's kind of this balance of like taxing them heavily, um, but also like trying not to have these revolts. Well, again, you've got Pontius Pilate, Felix Festus, all these guys. The guy who is here in 66 is named uh, Gessius Florus. And he really has it out for the Jews. After this, if this uh, bird sacrifice happens, the Jews come to him to complain. They say, can you please um, fix this problem? He says, "I will listen to the case if you give me money." So they give him like seven talents of silver. Uh, he ends up not doing anything, um, and actually goes to Jerusalem and raids the temple to take even more money. Uh, and says because he's got to send it to Nero because Nero's building all sorts of stuff. Um, so that causes a big, bigger uprising. The Jews re- rebel or they riot, kind of, and then he goes in with the the Roman <coughs> soldiers and kills tons of them. Right. So kills tons of them. That causes like a bigger, bigger conflagration of things. Um, but there's a ton of antagonism in going in both uh, both directions. And then eventually, um, you have like you, you've got all this anti-Roman you know sentiment already, and this just is the match to the haystack, and it burns it burns quick and all over the area. Jerusalem. Um, they attack the Roman garrison there. Uh, there's a fortress called Masada down here that's pretty famous. The Jews take over. They kill all the Romans and kick them out. In um, Caesarea, up here, there's fighting. They, but they basically have this, like, this just rebellion spreads across the whole the whole um, country. Um, so, again, that's a little bit of what happens to start. That's all in 66. In 67, in 67... Um, so you have some uh, few soldiers in Romans here, but you don't have a lot. But you have a legion up here in Syria. A legion, I think maybe it's like the 12th legion is up here in Syria. And they get sent down to quash the rebellion. <clears throat> and it's like 30,000 soldiers maybe, right? So that's the next escalation. Now the legion comes in, and they, they start beating everybody up. They get to Jerusalem. They don't like take it over, but they they take over and they, they kind of punish a lot of people. As they're leaving Jerusalem to go back to their headquarters, they get ambushed by this this militia, this huge group of this huge militia, bunch of people, and they get absolutely massacred. Like six thousand of them are killed. It's this huge problem. So they get they get. Um, the, the Romans, sorry, get massacred. So this army, this Roman army, gets massacred by a big group of Jewish rebels. And that causes things to really spin out of control. <clears throat> because now you have a full-on war happening. And that happens in 67. And that's when Nero, Nero in 67, sends whom? To Titus. Titus. Yes, um... But dad. His, dad. <laughs> his dad, yeah. He sends Vespasian, who is a, a Roman general in Turkey and has maybe two or three legions under him. Titus is his son, who has a legion or two in Egypt. And he sends them all to crush this rebellion. One of the reasons he picks Vespasian is because Vespasian is old. He's maybe in his 60s. Is probably not going to... Uh, if he, like, wins a bunch of fame and money, not going to, like, try and come back and take over Rome because that's always the constant threat. So he sends Vespasian and Titus to, to smash this rebellion. Um, it's, uh, we're over time, so we'll get into that this next time. Uh, but <laughs> they, they basically, they, um, Vespasian comes, Vespasian... Uh, lands up here, uh, collects all his legions together, and then invades through Galilee. So Galilee is where it starts, and he heads south, and, and that's where the war happens. The main thing to note, in Galilee, um, after the, after the um, kind of the, the first initial victory, there's this like provincial uh, government that gets set up, and the leader who's assigned up in Galilee is... Josephus so he is assigned this region they kind of set up all these different like guys to um, to put this um, coalition together and Josephus is the first uh, leader of the Jews that Vespasian runs into in Galilee um, as he's heading south uh, towards Jerusalem Um, and that's pretty much the background Josephus Yes, yes. So he is a Jew. He is a he is a Jew. He's a military leader. He takes over the northern the this kind of group of northern cities. And then after the war he becomes uh well, maybe he was a historian back then, but he's famous because he wrote his histories after the war. Um, yeah. And that we will leave seventy. The rest of the war, sixty eight through seventy, we'll do next week. Alright, any final questions? Hopefully that at least gets us a good context for why this war happened. Yeah, Nate? You keep talking about the rebellion. Are you talking about the Jewish war for independence? (laughs) No, I don't think so. No. What were the years for that? 1776. Got it. No. Um, no. So this is uh, this is called the First Jewish War. There's a couple more later, but this is also called, yeah, the Great Jewish Revolt, the First Jewish War, a couple different things. Um, and, yeah, that's it. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the, uh, this time. Thank you for the ability to study uh, history and your word and um, your working in history. Uh, we pray that you bless the rest of the, this uh, day and the sermon we're going to hear later today. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen.